Hey everybody, my name is Pej. We come on every single Tuesday, right around noontime. I always have special guests in the recovery world. We talk about anything and everything that's recovery related or lack thereof. Welcome to Pej's Recovery Corner. <laughs> okay, we are live. Welcome everybody. Welcome to Pej's Recovery Corner. Today I have a very special guest. He's my dear friend, Maz Jobrani. Hold on, let me see here. Let me make sure that we are live. Mm, yep, we are. Okay. Let me. Maz, how are you doing today? I'm good. I keep looking at you. You're so tan. You look like a better looking version of me. <laughs> you know what's really funny is I have been told over the years that um, that I look like you. And sometimes people say I look like Farid Tabrizi. I'm like, you guys just like, you just couple us all together as the same. If you actually see Maz in person, he's much taller and skinnier than me. But no, there's uh, I guess a whole, there's definitely a discrimination against bald people. I, I, I had, there was a, a few years back going up La Cienega Boulevard, there was a, um, a little photo uh, store where they took, you know, portraits and they hung a portrait of a black guy, clearly a black <laughs> African-American dude with a goatee and bald. And you don't know how many people would come up to me and go, I saw your picture on the the window of that store. And I go, are you kidding me? That guy's black. For some reason, I'm having a delay, but I think I all I heard was a black guy with a goatee. Can you hear me? What I was that? saying, yeah, I can hear you. I was saying that the black guy with the goatee, people thought he was me. So people would come up to me and be like, I saw you on the window <laughs> of that store. And I was like, no, he's African American. I am not. <laughs> Maybe from, oh, we won't even go there. Anyway, so uh, it, I want to real quick just uh, talk about so real quick Ma maz jabrani in case you don't know i mean the entire iranian community knows and then many others too is a comedian and actor who is part of the access of evil comedy group um the group appeared on the comedy special on comedy central uh maz has also appeared in numerous films television shows including better off ted uh his filmography includes roles in the in the interpreter friday after next dragonfly and jimmy westwood if you don't Pejman, know, then you know. I'm gonna, um, Pejman, Pejman, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop you right. It's very funny. I know when people are reading the Wikipedia because I don't know who put any of this stuff in there. But the, that the shit's funny not thing true. is, <laughs> no, no, it's fine. But it's funny. The movie Dragonfly, and that always comes up as like he was in this, this, this. As soon as I hear Dragonfly, that means it's the Wikipedia because Dragonfly. I literally had two lines in there. Two lines, and, <laughs> and and hold on, it was three words, three words that made two lines, and the three words I was playing a paramedic, and I'm wheeling somebody into a hospital, and and Kevin Costner is the main surgeon. He runs past me, he goes, "What's what's up with him?" And I go, "OD, attempted suicide." Boom, <laughs> three lines, and somehow some bozo went on my Wikipedia and has put and that in there. And always, they always say that, and by the way, Dragonfly wasn't even like a hit. It was a flop. So there's no, anyway, there's not a I'm an deal. actor. I'm a comedian. Let's move Great on. Great comedian at that. And I'll, and I'll say this. Like I, I grew up, um, we're, we're about the same age. I think you're one year younger than me. So 
I remember following you when I was still in my addiction. I, I used to love guys like you, Russell Peters, and and just because you guys, the types of jokes you would say, the type of comedy stand-up that you would have, I related to that. Like, I got you. I, I get that. And I think like a lot of the Iranian community definitely loves and adores you because because you speak our language as an Americanized Iranian. You know what I mean? Plus, you, you know the language, too. And so um, today's show, I really wanted to focus more on um, – addiction and mental health in in the Persian community. Um, it runs rampant. Um, I've had my experiences. I'm almost 14 years sober next month. Congratulations, um, man. That's beautiful. Thank you. And you and I met because you were doing some uh, benefits for Siamak, which uh, he's my angel. Siamak used to have a place called New Life Treatment Center. That's where I got sober. I actually met Siamak five years before that. Um, at a sober living house that he had in Huntington Beach. I wanted nothing to do with him. I still mm-hmm. had a lot of mileage. Mm-hmm. He he opened the door and he looked like a little Persian recovery Yoda. He's like, hello, how are you doing? Welcome to yeah. my house. Yeah. We have chores, we have rules, we have regulations, we go to meetings. And I'm like, yeah. riveting, what's your name? And he goes, yeah. my name is Sia. I'm like, not interested. And I didn't stay at his house, but I ended up at his front doorstep again. Five years later, um, 35 years old as a homeless man, I had nothing going for me, um, major addiction issues, lots of trauma, and this time I was ready. And I remember just looking him in his eyes, and 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 I'm like, I know you. And he goes, I don't know you. I'm like, how do you not remember me? I came to your house in Beach Boulevard five years ago, and uh, you 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 told me everything about your house, but I didn't stay. He's like, are you ready to come in? And I went in his house, and he he gave me the lowdown, and it was like the the it's what I needed. It's definitely yeah. what I needed. And I think I was just ready in my life to actually make a difference. And that man just, he just showed me a new way of living. So, um, you know, a few years ago, I know now that his place is called Transforming Lives. And he was doing some benefits at the Irvine Improv. And that's where you and I originally met. And it's been it's been great. What, what's your experience with um, addiction and mental health in our community? Wow. Yeah, you're right. It runs rampant. Um, it's... Uh... Guys, there's so much to uncover. You know what would be great, I think, as I'm saying this, whether it's you or Siamak or somebody from our community should write a book um, about their experiences and their stories. Because I feel, you know, I joke about this on stage. I go, I go, and, and by the way, America or a lot of a lot of the world has a hard time dealing with mental health a harder time dealing with mental health than physical health. Not to say we're healthy physically, but at least mm-hmm. physically you're encouraged to once a year go get a physical, find out how you're doing. You're not mm-hmm. encouraged once a year to go get a mental health checkup. We just don't do that. Right. And no. and then now take that and 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 put that on 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 steroids, lack of a better example, but right. and now you've got this immigrant community immigrant communities in general whether it's iranians or indians or or filipinos i mean i think a lot of immigrant communities don't deal with mental health that well so the joke i used to do on stage was i used to say that that in america they encourage you to go talk to your therapist tell them your problems then go tell your family about those problems and then go on dr phil and tell the world about those problems and i said in our community in our community we're told you don't have any problems. All you got to do is find mm-hmm. a good wife and you'll be fine. And so that's the answer. That's the answer. And it's and it's unfortunate because you're right. And there make is a sure, lot of- and make sure that you go to university and become some. 
<laughs> yeah, be more miserable in the thing you don't want to do. So I think exactly. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of addiction. My family has dealt with addiction. My own father. So looking back now, my grandfather from my father's side was um, mm -hmm. an alcoholic. He was a gambler. And I hear stories now from my, I never met him because he passed away before I was born, but I hear stories of how his gambling addiction would lead. He had like five or six kids. I forget how many sisters, brothers they were, but it would lead to him losing their money in gambling. And he would come to their home and go, all right, everybody pack up, we're moving. And they would move. And they're mm -hmm. from Tabriz. So they grew, my dad was from Tabriz. And then my grandfather passes away at a young age and um, my father, who was the oldest son, becomes responsible as, you know, that's just what we do. We're patriarchal society. So you're now the, you know, the, the man of the house. So right. my dad helped raise a lot of his siblings and he goes to Tehran and he becomes successful in business and he brings his brothers and sisters all to Tehran and he helps care for them and sets them up, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but throughout it, my father being from Tabriz, northern Iran, they were big drinkers of vodka. So he would have friends of his. And back then, I don't think it was an issue. They would drink. They would, you know, drive. They would get in fights with their wives. It was just part of this macho culture. It wasn't a thing at all. It wasn't something to like right. to go, oh, my God, I got a problem because he was functioning in that, you know. And um, and then, of course, you know, looking back on our experience as as a as a country, as a people, you know, we had the, the Islamic Republic of Iran, the, the revolution that happened, turned people's lives upside down. So whether it's in right. Iran and the, and the darkness that they had to experience all those years of being in war or, or, and not having opportunities and, and just having this horrible economic situation and being young and having nothing to do, well, what are you going to do? You're going to turn to drugs Absolutely. or if it, or if it was the, Iranians who came to America and the PTSD that they're dealing with because they've just lost their lives and they're here and they're trying to learn what's going on. And well, a lot of them would turn to a drink or some taryok or whatever it was to get yes. through it. So, yeah. you know, as you know, it's genetic. And so that goes on and, and, and it gets passed down to the next generation to, to me and my siblings, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, um, my brother Kashi actually, uh, you know, I don't talk about it much, but he ended up passing away from it. And mm -hmm. so that was that was huge. And that was a struggle that I saw. And I personally sometimes like I never I was lucky that I never got turned on to drugs. Um, right. You know, not to say I haven't tried certain things, you know, whether sure. it's weed sure. or ecstasy or something. But that's been it. Like, I've never been interested in pills or like cocaine or heroin i've never been interested in any of that stuff right. um i've always enjoyed drinking and i will say if you look at it there was probably times when i drank more destructively than i should have you know to the point where you're throwing up you're in high school you're throwing up you're in college you're throwing up and you're just not aware of what's going on and now as an adult there are times especially under the pandemic as the year went on and there was like i'm drinking on a tuesday then on a wednesday i'm you know always like a couple glasses of wine here a couple glasses of right. wine there but knowing the history in my family, mm -hmm. I would get, um, uh, uh, I would be afraid of it. And I would say, okay, I need to stop having drinks now for you know a while. So mm -hmm. I've tried to be conscious about it. I've tried to talk about it. Uh, I, I love what Siomak does and has done. And that's why I 
wanted to be a partner with him with those fundraisers. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to help him a get more funding for his for his center, but b also get more notoriety in the community because the community needs to realize it's okay to not be okay. Right. It's okay to admit that you have this problem. And I think uh, culturally speaking, we are a culture of facades. We are a culture of, no, 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 don't tell people this. Don't tell mm-hmm. people that. Don't let people know that we have any right. problems in our family. Well, every family has problems. You know, if you Major. want. Yeah, if you don't, if you just look at the Kennedys. I mean, start from the Kennedys who are supposed right. to be the most regal family in the world and just right. go down. I mean, every family. And that doesn't make you a bad person. This right. addiction doesn't make you a bad person. Addiction makes you a person. And and right. and 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 I think, you know, I'm happy to hear your story because I think from what I've heard, it's people coming to that point of going, why am I worried about all this bullshit? Why am I worried about all this facades? Why am I worried right. about what, you know, Fatima Khanoum or Ali Agha thinks about me? Who cares? This mm-hmm. is who I am. And then also realizing that you then have this energy and this ability to then bring goodness to others and bringing bring this openness to others and make them realize dude you live once if you're lucky you'll live to be i don't know 70, 70 80 yeah. whatever that age is and so you want to live how many of those years do you want to live running and hiding from a community that in all honesty doesn't care and I'm not mm-hmm. saying they don't care because they're bad people they don't care because they're worried about themselves everyone's thinking about themselves so mm-hmm. you a lot of people, I think, that try to hide their addiction or try to hide their mental health issues. Don't tell anybody right. that you're depressed. Don't tell anybody that your your marriage isn't working out. Don't tell anybody mm-hmm. that you're gay. Don't tell anybody that you whatever uh, that you that you gambled your whole savings. Don't tell anybody. Right. You're thinking like, oh my God, they're gonna judge me. Well, no. That Aliyah is busy thinking about you know, uh, talking to his boss about getting a raise. And Fatima Khanum is busy thinking about Ali Agha, you know, uh, uh, not paying her any attention or whatever it is. Everyone's got their own part. No one's got time to think about you. Right, so, right. So just, you know, realize that and then just help yourself. Mm-hmm. I love that you talked about uh, writing a book. Uh, I am writing a book right now actually about my experience being an Iranian boy born in Germany, raised in America, my experience, my minimal experiences that I can remember in Iran when I was younger. Um, but just coming to America and feeling so uncomfortable in my skin growing up in Utah. I mean, come on, a Persian kid with from Muslim parents amongst just a, an ocean of Mormonism. Right. So yeah. I always felt different. Um, so yes, I am definitely doing that. And, and I, I, um, I, I believe I love everything that you're saying. I, I totally, I get it. Um, I, I know that when I went to school to become a drug and alcohol counselor, um, I did a genogram and we do, um, we, we basically check our ancestry. And, and I realized that addiction did skip a generation in my family. My dad, my grandfather on my dad's side was a major teriyaki. I mean, that yeah. he loved it. And yeah. he died from from nicotine in the end, but but he loved doing teriyaki. And so my mom and dad, they weren't, my dad drank here and there. My mom never touched anything, but yeah. it definitely skipped a generation in our family because not only did uh, 
me and somebody else who I'm very close to, I won't say their name right now, uh, fall into addiction and alcoholism. But also even in Iran, cousins that I've never met from the same gene pool, they all became addicts too. And it's good. I'm happy to say that they're all in recovery now. Um, I do want to say that uh, codependency and it's a lot of, along the lines of what you're talking about, I think that codependency, we are the, the epitome in our community, especially like Iranian mothers of codependency. My mom is, it's really nice has broken out of that. She's, she definitely did the work after I went to see Max house. She listened to him every step of the way. But, but I love what I'm seeing more and more of now as opposed to the last 14 years of being sober is more Iranian parents that are not of the old way of thinking, like from the old country, are becoming more open to understanding that they are part of the problem too, yeah. rather than just uh, not uh, just, just to focus on their, their loved one that's the addict or alcoholic. They're actually doing the work. I, see, I think some of them are on here today. As a matter of fact, Fatty just... Uh, he just tapped in right now to say hello to both of us. But I love that I am seeing miracles happen amongst a lot of the family members more recently. I have some sober livings down in Orange County that are highly structured. And right now I've got 10 Iranians in there. And they're mostly Americanized Iranians. Over the years, I've seen Iranians uh, go through Siamak's house that were like old school tariyaki. And when we say tariyaki, that means opiate users that smoke opium straight from the poppy plant right but yeah. um or shida too but um a lot of those guys that were going through siamak's house were uh coming off the methadone and i saw like fucking people for 45 days have these long drawn out painful excruciatingly painful detoxes to where they would call it seam keshi because they felt like someone was taking a wire on the bones of their legs they were going through so much pain siamak would, i would literally watch that man put them in a tub with Epsom salt and bathe them just to try to relieve the pain that they were going through. Like those were the old school opium heads, right? These days, the, the kids that come into my care are either pill users or straight up heroin and fentanyl. Fentanyl is the motherfucker. Like that's the yeah. one that, Maz, if you saw the shit I see, I, I have mothers that have sent me video footage and pictures of their kids overdosing or in the process of overdosing. To And now- they're, they're changing. They're transforming their lives. They've come to our houses and um, they are workers amongst workers, humans amongst humans. They're not living in that facade style of living and they're becoming the human beings that they're meant to be rather than that facade that they were caught up in. And it's a beautiful thing to witness. Um, yeah, man, listen, it's, it's, it's such a challenge and you're right. The codependency is huge. I think that part of it is Again, being the culture that we are, we try to control everything. Our mothers, right. our fathers, we always thought, oh, we can control. You know, like even, even if you think about the way our culture is set up, it's not, whereas the Western culture, if you want to buy a house, you go to the bank, you get a loan. Well, you know, the Persian culture is like you go ask Amu so-and-so for the money, he'll give it to right. you. We all take care of each other, you know, and, and right, even right. the point where people will be like, can't you get so-and-so's kid a job he's you know he needs a job and you're like oh okay i'll get him a job how is he qualified no he's you know got addiction well I, I i don't know what to do like we try to we try to control everything and realizing you can't control everything no matter how right. powerful you are you know my father in iran was a very successful businessman very powerful he had friends in high places and he himself was just somebody who helped people as much as he could and mm -hmm. i will always tell the story that his brother you know, his brother, his younger brother, 
was um, he had a his younger brother had a family that nobody knew about. It was like it was a secret family. And so mm-hmm. he would because, again, the facade, you got to keep up. Right. So he had a wife and two kids. And so what he would do is like when he when he would go off to whatever, manage one of their, you know, they, they did they, they had electric the they they um they had electrical plants like they would they would run electricity throughout you know the country mm-hmm. so when the brother would go to manage this one office or plant somewhere he would then drive to where his wife and kids were to see them in the middle of the night or whatever so one time he's driving and he fall and he and he drives off a cliff and so word gets back to Tehran that your brother my father's younger brother has had this uh, accident and it's, and he's basically a, you know, in a coma in a hospital, wherever it was. And so my dad would tell us the story. He would say his mother, my father, so realized my father was the oldest son and his relationship with his mother was very close. Like he worshiped his mother. So my dad at that point in Iran, in the whatever early seventies, late sixties, he charters an airplane He's going to fly. He's going to get on an airplane, fly to wherever his brother is at a hospital and go and see what's going on. And my dad says, before I left, my mom, meaning my grandmother, my, my dad's mom, says to him, he says, whatever you do, says this to my dad, whatever you do, keep my son alive. Don't let my son die. So this is Amu Reza, my uncle Reza. So my dad was like, that was put on my dad's shoulders. So now he is trying to control destiny, right? He's like, I need to keep my younger brother alive. So he gets on the airplane. He flies out there. He gets there and he goes, you know, people know he's a big shot, whatever. He shows up and he goes, my brother was in his hospital bed. He goes, he was so badly injured. His head looked like a watermelon. It had had swollen. And he goes, his fever was... rising to whatever 105 whatever that temperature was and he said i went to the doctors i said whatever you do you keep him alive and he goes to the point where the doctors were pouring buckets of ice into the bed to bring down the 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 fever well my father succeeded in keeping this brother alive however his brother reza who was the guy in the accident led the rest of his life basically um in he he was like his 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 face was deformed his leg he had like a brace he had to wear always he was basically handicapped in a bad way not in a like functioning way like he was just there the rest of his life and he also was an alcoholic because he had nothing else to do all day he'd just sit around all day drink. and be like can i get a drink and i'm thinking to myself wow like talk about trying to control destiny and realizing you can't you can't right. i don't care who you are you know, uh, um, um, Steve Jobs passes away from cancer. He was the richest man in the world. He, mm-hmm. You can't control destiny. And so that codependency, as you say, is something that we have. We feel like, oh, I got this addict. What I'm going to do is I'm going to bring you here. I'm going to give you some soup and you're going to be better. I'm going to give you some love. And, you'll be, and you're like, no, 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 no. Like what I've learned from my experiences is at a certain point, you got to say, look, I'm here for you and I love you, but I can't do anything until you decide to do something. Um, And so that's where I've tried to get. And I've seen my own mother, actually, like you said, uh, she's gone to programs to help with that kind of stuff. And, you know, guys like Dr. Holoquy have helped, I think, the whole community, um, Mm -hmm. as well as his sons. And then we have people like you, Siamak and others, Farid, 
who um, have also helped. And, and I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else we can do. You know, you can just say we're here. We encourage you to be a part of it. But, you know, until the addict decides to go to, you know, ground themselves and mm -hmm. go, okay, I, I can't keep going like this and I need the help right. and I'm willing that's to surrender. I'm willing right. to surrender, you know, because that's the other thing, our right. egos, you know, we all have a lot of times, again, in our culture, you know, Persian culture, you know, my, you're so-and-so's son, you're so-and-so, you should be proud, exactly. you got this, you got that. Uh-uh, that's right. all total bullshit. Just put it aside right. and one-on-one. -on -one. That was my biggest fear was because my dad was a scientist, a food scientist, a microbiologist, virologist. They called him Dr. Jun. And then, you know, my mom, she did very well for herself, too. So I think one of the things that was the, the shame that I felt the most was the fact that in our community, it's a total taboo. And it's something that I don't want anyone to find out. But it's OK. It's OK for people to. For help. Um, yeah. So. Uh, you know what was really good about pandemic too is that the the community in recovery has come together more than ever. Even in especially in the Iranian community, I have been on a ton of Zoom meetings in Iran with a lot of them and them with us, and they, they just, we just vibe together. Like they're all they love us. They love us over here. They love that what we're doing, and it's just so nice to see how how we were able to be able to to bring the community even closer together during this pandemic. Well, I think our people, as much as I say, you know, we're not as well versed as a community with addiction and, and being open and honest. I think there's a lot of love. There's a lot of goodness in our in our community. I mean, I see it all the time when I'm doing shows and people are there to support. And 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 I, I don't know, there's something, you know, Anthony Bourdain did an episode of Parts Unknown in Iran. And I was surprised to hear him say this, but he goes, he goes, you know, I traveled the world and I did not expect that the most hospitable people were going to be in Iran. I wasn't surprised mm. that he said that about our people. I was surprised that Anthony Bourdain didn't know how hospitable we are. And we just were warm as a ah. culture. We're warm people. We, we care for each other. And I think that sometimes plays against right. what we were talking about. Because if you're so warm and you're so caring, Absolutely. sometimes you do want to control the situation. And it's, you got to be you got to get to the point where you go, listen. You can be warm and caring, but also try to not be codependent mm -hmm. and and realize you can't control everything. So, yeah, it's right. uh, it's an and interesting group of people. When I think when anybody breaks through codependency, it's so freeing. Uh, I've seen um, people really do some extensive work. I sometimes see Mac and I have joked about this that um, somebody will have a major issue. It'll be an addict or an alcoholic that comes into his care. And uh, we, we come to the agreement that it's not the kid that has the problem. It's the mother. I think the yeah. mother needs to go to like rehab for, for yeah. codependence. They should make rehab for just codependence. But really, like when you take off the codependent wings that are actually um, self-fulfilling, it's so yeah. freeing. And I've been it. I've been that. You know what I mean? I've definitely been majorly codependent because I just think it was something that was passed down generationally and through our family. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it's been good to have you on here. I know you, you had some other things that you wanted to do today. I just wanted to hear from you. I love you very much. It's always good to interact with you. Um, aren't you back on the road again? Yeah. First of all, thanks for having me. It's always great to talk to you too. Um, it's it's beautiful to see your beautiful face, and I'm happy you're doing uh, good as you should, and and um, you're doing your purpose, which is important to remember. 
You know, I think I think we all have a purpose that that whether you believe in a God or a power or whatever, mm -hmm. if you're lucky enough to find it, then you see that person shine. So I'm seeing that and I'm and I'm proud of you for that. Thank you. Um, and as for me, yeah, I'm I'm going to be touring again. I, I got my vaccine. I've been double vaccinated and. Please get vaccinated, people. Don't believe any of this crap. Just get the vaccine. And so I'm going to be going to Dubai and I'm going to be going all over the country and uh, doing shows. And, you know, slowly, slowly, the clubs are usually at 50 percent. Then they go 75. You know, it'll it'll happen slowly, but it's nice to be back right. at it. We're getting back into the mainstream of life. It's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. All right. Well. Always good to see you. Have a lovely day. Thanks for coming to the corner and hope to see you again soon. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. All right.